0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, cool Deirdre, all the sorrows grow new your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the drooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka, Fireside, the Marrow, Fireside, Kings and Queens, Fat and Heroes, don't you run from the fun? there's no need to hide, sit by the Fireside, Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome along to episode number 44 of Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. We are coming to you as always from the beautiful surroundings of the Head Stuff Podcast Network studios here in Dublin. I am absolutely delighted to be back again with you all this week. If this is your first time listening, you're very welcome. If you're a returning listener, uh, this is thank you as always for your continued support. If this is your first time, you are Really jumping in at a second part right here. This is a continuation of last week. So if you haven't listened to the first part of the story of Mad King Sweeney, please do stop right here and go back and listen to that. Or if it's your very first time at all, why not go back to the very beginning of the podcast and see what we are building up to today. I will not stand on ceremony for too long because I really want to get into this latter part of this story. This is a beautiful, wonderful and incredibly rich tale that needed two parts. But just a couple of things. If you enjoy the podcast, please do follow us on Instagram at FiresideBard. It is the best place to keep. ...up with all the details of this podcast, and most importantly, to talk about where you can find about the updates of our live show, the Fireside Sessions, which is going to be a part of the Dublin Podcast Festival here in November, on the 20th of November, right here in Headstuff, in the brand new Podcast Studios venue, which they are opening next month. I am so excited to be performing in the Podcast Festival and to be one of the very first shows to perform in in the podcast studios. Come along for an evening of storytelling, of music, of everything, of wonderful... Wonderful things, and most not most importantly, but as an added bonus, it is going to be a B-O-I-O-B evening. So come in, get out of that winter cold and come in for an evening of tales, tunes, and a tipple. You can find more details on ticketmaster.ie forward slash fireside podcast. The tickets are extremely limited. It is a very intimate brand new venue, and we are looking to sell it out and please do book because tickets are very limited to it. But you can find out all more details on my Instagram at FiresideBard or on Ticketmaster.a forward slash Fireside Podcast. That is the plug finished. I have quite a horse, I've got a bit of a John Hurt kind of voice today because I was at a wedding at the weekend. I was over in the west of Ireland in County Sligo for the marriage of two of my very dear friends, Connell and Amelia. I had the great pleasure of singing and playing at their wedding and there was a mighty, mighty sing-song after that on both the Saturday and the Sunday nights. It was very much my kind of crack where it was an evening of song and story, very much like I bring to you here. And I was delighted to be at it, and now I'm back, and my voice is in recovery mode. But nonetheless, I am here today to give you your dose of storytelling goodness. So I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. We're going to get right down to it. This is The Madness of King Sweeney, Part 2 on Fireside. The Madness of King Sweeney. Part 2. The Battle of Moira was done. Donal II had defeated his former kin and current enemy, Congal Clane, the King of Ulster, and had re-cemented his position as the High King of Era. But it was not Donal's victory that had everyone in a stir. During the final day of his flight, Sweeney, King of Dalari, ally to Kungalclain, had gone into a frenzy, stripped off his armour and clothes, grown feathers and quite literally flown from the battle. Sweeney was the bravest and arguably foolhardy of warriors. He was also seen in the thickest part of battle, always. So when Kungalclain's soldiers saw this battle-hardened king strip and turn into a bird, they were understandably spooked. It wasn't long before Donal's forces crushed what remained. As to Sweeney himself, he took flight to Bere in Glen Arkin. There he for the first time perched in a tree and reflected on what had brought him there. Look at me, King of Dalari, a member of a proud and ancient race of men, fleeing from battle with the nerve of a bird. And appropriately so. Look at me, naked and covered in feathers. I don't recognise anything on the outside or inside of my body nothing looks or feels right. But I know, this is justified. Ronan Finn has cursed me for what I did to him, for beating him, humiliating him, throwing his psalter into a lake, killing one of his clerics and trying to take Ronan's own life. He cursed me. He prayed to his God. And who has done this to me? Is his one God real? Or have I been cursed by my own God's? Have the tour done and come to transform this ghastly form and doom me to a life of wandering? Sweeney perched on this tree branch, reflecting on his past life and contemplating his new one. But a group of Sweeney's loyal followers, led by Angus the Stout, came to Glenarkin. They were there when Sweeney had flown from battle, and because they had not seen his body, they did not believe him dead. So they searched for their king. When they were near Sweeney's tree... The former king heard their familiar voices, peered round from his perch, and said, "'Here I am, friends. Although I am no longer the man you seek, I am a mad creature.' Angus the stout spoke up, "'As long as you are breathing, you are our king.' "'You don't understand,' replied Sweeney. "Ronan's curse has not only transformed me into the shape of a bird, "'he has given me the fears of a bird.' "'I shall forever flit and fly and jump "'like the terrified creature I am. "'Much like a bird, I can never trust a human again, "'so can never live amongst them.' "'Sweeney's men had to accept that the man in the tree "'was no longer their king. "'He was not the man they had followed in and out of battle so many times. "'They had to leave the miserable wretch there "'in the bough of a tree in Glenarkin. "'But Sweeney would never stay anywhere for too long.' From Glenarkin he flew to a place called Kilregan in Tyrconnell. There he was discovered by Donal II, High King of Ireland, who was on a march across the kingdoms of Ulster following his victory at the Battle of Moira. Even though Sweeney had fought on the opposing side, Donal looked on the mad creature with pity. It's a terrible thing, he said to his men, that such a mighty brave warrior and just king like Sweeney should be reduced to this though he fought with my enemy. Like Congolclane himself, Sweeney was once my friend and ally, and my heart will forever hang heavy knowing he is out here in this state. The place where Mad Sweeney would return most often was a place called Glenbulcan, which was where all madmen went with the aim of recovering their sanity. But on his first visit there, Sweeney had his worst night since the Battle of Moira. He set up nest in a thorny tree that cut and stabbed him as he tried to sleep. He would frequently exchange branches, trying to get more comfortable, but eventually landed on one too thin for his considerable weight. He fell from the tree and landed on the cold ground, a bloody feathered mess. And he made this lament. Look at me, wallowing in self-pity. Quite a sight this is too, me, a king, and now a mad, twisted wretch, I cannot go on much longer like this. When will the final part of Ronan's curse be fulfilled? When shall I know the sweet release of death? Sweeney was next at Swim Two Birds, on the banks of the mighty river Shannon. He came on a Friday and saw a woman on the riverbank beating and eating flaxseed. Sweeney knew the Christians considered Friday a fast day, and for the first time felt what the woman was doing was wrong. She shouldn't be doing that on the Lord's fast day, he thought. And he suddenly realized what had happened. What was this now? Is this the final madness? Am I to forsake my own gods and the gods of my father's? And all because this misfortune has come upon me? Sweeney then realized how hungry he was himself. He landed on the riverbank and he ate some watercress like the bird that he was. And seven years passed. Mad Sweeney returned to Glen Glenbulkin, where truly he felt most at home, among all the other madmen like him. For several years Sweeney had been hunted by a man named Lynchicon. Lynchicon was Sweeney's half-brother, and was determined that Sweeney was not totally lost, and just had to be brought home to Dalari to recover his senses. Sweeney was aware he was being hunted, but not by whom, he nevertheless always evaded capture. But soon the Mad King arrived at a mill. The mill was run by a woman named Lonog. Lonog took pity on the wretch, and so frequently would leave Sweeney scraps of bread from the mill each night. And like a stray cat, the Mad King would return to the mill every night. Unbeknownst to Sweeney, however, Lonog was the mother-in-law to Lynchicon. When Sweeney's half-brother realized the one he pursued had arrived on his own doorstep, he disguised himself in his mother-in-law's clothes and awaited the bird king. When Sweeney came that night for his scraps, he approached what he thought was the kind old woman. But though he was mad, Sweeney was still no fool. He looked under the cloak and recognized his half-brother's eyes. The mad king flew back to the nearest tree branch. Lynchicon, how dare you try to deceive me! "'You have not totally lost all sense of reason, then,' cried Lynchicon. "'It is sanity I have lost, my former brother, not reason. "'It is my life I have lost, not reason. "'Your life doesn't have to be lost. "'Come home to Dalari. "'Become again the man you were meant to be. "'Save yourself and our family name. "'Lynchicon, you must stop this pursuit of me. "'I am not your brother any more.' A man and a bird cannot possibly share parentage, and since I am a bird and you are a man, we could not possibly be family. And the mad king again flew away, never to return to the mill again. But running into his half-brother had stirred something inside Sweeney he thought was gone forever. Thoughts of his family, his children, his wife Euron. Euron had tried to stop her husband from attacking Ronan Finn. And if he had only listened to her, this whole tragic ordeal could have been avoided. Ronan Finn knew that Yoron had done this, and so he had asked his god to spare her the curse that he had bestowed upon Sweeney. The throne of Dalari that Sweeney had left vacant had two contenders with an equal claim. There was Goira and Yuki. It was Goira who took Yoron into his protection. And one night, as they happened to set up camp in Glenbulcan. Sweeney came upon her tent, and for the first time in seven years, saw the love of his life. My love, here you are. I am ashamed for you to look upon me in this state, but I could not help to see you but one last time. It does not have to be the last time, said Euron. Even in this miserable state you are in now, you are still my husband. Come home to me. "'Recover your senses and reclaim your throne. "'It can never be. "'I am doomed to this existence "'until I meet my end at the point of a spear, "'as Ronan has foretold. "'There can be no other fate now for wretched, mad King Sweeney. "'Oh, why couldn't you have listened to your wife? "'I tried so hard to stop you. "'I pulled the clothes off your back. "'You did all you could.' "'I was a fool then, believing myself all-powerful, and now I am nothing. "'But even in the form of a cowardly bird, I will always love you. "'And I will always love you. "'So you are still in there.' "'After the husband and wife had reprofessed their love to one another, "'a mighty horn was sounded. Goira and his army were returning from the hunt.' The sound frightened Sweeney to his core, and the bird once again took flight. Sweeney returned to Glenarkin, where he had first gone after the Battle of Moira. He was spotted and reported to Lynchicon. Sweeney's half-brother had known the Mad King had returned to his wife, so he knew his brother was still in there somewhere. He went to Glenarkin and found the bird in the tree. Sweeney, my brother, please do not fly away again. I have tragic news. What news could be more tragic than that of my existence? Your children have died. Your son and daughter. They have been taken. Sweeney began to weep. "'and wail and shout out. "'For my own crimes I am being justly punished. "'But what crimes have my innocent children committed "'to be cursed with a fate even worse than my own? "'For even though I live a half-life now, "'I have lived a long and fulfilling one. "'Or at least I did before I attacked the cleric.' "'There is more, Sweeney,' said Lintricorn. "'Your beloved wife, Yoran.' She too has died. This added blow was too much for the mad king. He fell from the tree in anguish, and he was caught by Lynchicon, who quickly manacled his half-brother, preventing him from taking flight again. I'm sorry, brother. I've been lying to you. All your family are alive and well. It was all I could do to get you down from that tree. Now I am taking you home. And Lynchicon took Sweeney back home to Dalari, In the care of his family once more, Sweeney actually did slowly begin to return from madness. But Lynchicon knew that he had to be so careful not to ask too much too soon from his brother, so all strangers were kept away from the recovering king. However, an old hag, under cover of bringing the king his meals, made her way into Sweeney's chambers one night and said, "'You don't belong here.' You have given up the right to live indoors. Your punishment is not complete. You beat a cleric of God and drowned his psalter, murdered one of his followers, and even tried to take the cleric's own life. And now you return here and attempt to return to power. The only power you will ever know again, Mad Sweeney, is the power of the sphere that will penetrate you and your soul. The verbal attack drove Sweeney back out of what little sanity he had reclaimed, and the Bird King flew from Dalharry. But the old hag pursued him. Supernatural, she was pouncing from treetop to treetop. It was only at Dunseverick, when Sweeney jumped from a cliff's edge, his wings glided him to safety. But when the old hag followed, she smashed against the cliff's edge and fell into the sea below. After that entire ordeal, Sweeney decided he must leave Era. So he flew to Albion, which we now call England. And there Sweeney met another madman, who called himself the Man of the Wood. Hello! I'm the Man of the Wood. I'm Mad King Sweeney. Do you have a name other than the Man of the Wood? Yeah, uh, my real name is... Uh, is Alan. And may I ask you, Alan... What has driven you to madness? Uh, well, I was at war, uh, and I thought all my men uh, should wear silk into battle, uh, and they told me I'd gone mad, uh, and now, now I am mad. This truly is a strange and terrible land, thought Sweeney to himself. But Sweeney and Mad Alan, the man of the wood, stayed together for over a year. Together in madness, they found they could actually trust one another. But after a year. Alan chose to meet his death. I'm going to go to a waterfall, and the wind is going to blow me off, and when they find my body, they'll bury me in a church nearby, which is the graveyard of a saint, uh, and then I'll go to heaven. Alan seemed so sure. Sweeney knew there was no point attempting to convince him otherwise. They parted ways, and Sweeney never saw Alan again. And having lost his friend, Sweeney again returned to Era. The Mad King returned to Glen Bulkin and again went to visit his wife. But Euron had at this stage lost all patience. If you refuse to stay, and to recover your senses, and accept my love, then leave forever and never come back. I cannot bear to be haunted by the horrid wretch by which you have become. Oh, that's a woman for you, cried out Sweeney. As soon as her husband falls, she forgets all about him. And the angered bird flew away, never to see Euron again. But tragically again, after this, Sweeney began to come back to his senses. Without any pressure from anyone around him, the king began to feel like his old self again. But Ronan Finn found out this was happening, and he prayed to God, Lord. Do not show mercy to King Sweeney at this stage. Be merciless and just, and let him meet the awful end he would have wished upon me. And that night, Sweeney was awoken in a treetop by the horrifying sight of bleeding headless torsos and screaming disembodied heads. Any remaining hope of sanity was lost that day, and Sweeney left Glenbulkin, the home of all madmen, forever.' At last, Sweeney arrived at St. Mullins, in what is now the county of Carlow. There he met Molling, the cleric of St. Mullins. Molling was determined to forgive Sweeney of his sins and cure him of Ronan's curse. He believed a cleric should never seek bloody vengeance. It was their duty to save. And Molling managed to convince Sweeney to tell him the story of his life. And Sweeney found himself returning each and every night to St. Mullins to tell more of his story. Now, the cook of St. Mullins was named Mwergill. Each night she was instructed by Mulling to have a cooked meal laid out for Sweeney. But Mwergill was married to a swineherd named Mungan. And one night Mwergill was having an argument in the kitchen with another woman. The woman suggested to Morgil that she should leave her husband for the mad king she was meeting up with every night. This vicious piece of gossip was overheard by Mungon's sister, who went home to her brother and chastised him. Some man you are if your wife leaves you for a half-bird, half-madman. Mungon was incensed, like Sweeney had been the first time he had heard Ronan Finn's bells. The swineherd grabbed his spear, sharpened and ran out to look for the mad creature he thought was sleeping with his wife. He came upon the poor wretch, eating the food Murgil had prepared for him. And like the prophecy had promised, Sweeney was pierced through the heart with the edge of Mungon's spear. And there, after his years of flight and misery and torment, Mad King Sweeney died. Molling was dead. Devastated by the death of Sweeney. After all he did, he died an unjust death. Sweeney was buried there at St. Mullins, and Molling told his story. The story that has been passed down all the way to us, that I have now told to you. And that is the story of Mad King Sweeney. To be continued. My word, there we have it. The story of Mad King Sweeney on Fireside. I really hope you all enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed both parts of it and felt it was worth me doing it in two parts because this was probably the hardest story I've ever had to adapt for this podcast so far. And I kind of knew it would be because instead of adapting it from basically from a short story version of the myths, like I have a lot of the time, you know, usually these stories can be quite short. Um, my versions of them are usually condensed to about 10 pages. i like them to not usually be longer than that. But what I was adapting the story of Sweeney from was, as I said last week, was Seamus Heaney's novel length poem, Sweeney Astray, which he wrote in 1984, released in 1984, I believe. And, I dis—I discovered of this existence. I adore, I adore the poetry of Seamus Heaney and this is so highly recommended that I thought this was the best version to adapt it from. Because the story of Sweeney is actually... You can tell a version of it very easily. You can tell of a story of this pagan king who attacks this cleric and is cursed to transform into a bird. He wanders Ireland for years and years until he eventually meets his end at the point of a spear... Um, it is such a wonderful story that you can tell it in one line but particularly with his wanderings the wanderings of Sweeney the wanderings of Sweeney have inspired poets and writers for hundreds of years and he pops up in so many other places as I read an extract of At Swim Two Birds last week and an extract from "From Sweeney Astray" from Seamus Heaney Sweeney has inspired so many different um, writers to include him, Flann O'Brien in a satirical way and James Heaney in a very sincere way. And Sweeney has even appeared as one of the major characters of Neil Gaiman's book, American Gods, which I just finished reading. I started reading that to know about, because I had heard Sweeney was a character in that. Now, the Sweeney in American Gods is a very, very big departure from the Sweeney of Irish mythology, I mean, to, Piff- to Nick Neil Gaiman, he portrays so many cultures and so many, the folklore of so many nations and nationalities in uh, in American Gods. And Sweeney is one of the more prominent ones, especially in the TV series. He is bumped up to a major character in the TV series. But in the TV series, he is portrayed as a leprechaun, as a, I mean, I get it. It's a shorthand to appeal to a wider audience. You know, they if they know anything about Irish mythology and folklore, it's going to be leprechauns. So, of course, that's going to really appeal to an American audience. In the book, there is only actually one reference to Sweeney having been a bird, to it being the same mad Sweeney. But other than that, he is basically not like him at all. It is still great to see... A character from Irish mythology in such a major best-selling work, and and that he's a character in a TV series that is on right now, that is obviously so heartwarming to me as someone who is so mad about all of this stuff, and I obviously Neil Gaiman is one of the holy trinity of inspiration for this podcast, along with Philip Pullman and Stephen Fry, and I, I'm such a huge adorer of all of his work, but. Sweeney in in this story is a great character, um, but he's he is a big, he's a far departure from the Sweeney of Sweeney Astray. And um, when I was adapting this story, I obviously dove right into Seamus Heaney's novel. And it's because Seamus Heaney is a Nobel Prize winning poet, one of the greatest poets Ireland has ever, ever produced, He's not, he's not long dead. He's only dead in the last five or six years, and in typical Irish fashion, now he is being really lauded as the poet that he should be, because when he was, once he was alive, it was just, Asher sure, it's only Seamus Heaney, sure. Sure, he's still alive. Sure, he's we study him in school, But uh, and uh, he's not as cool as, like, Patrick Kavanagh or any of the dead poets, but now that he is, he is appreciated, and this is absolutely my favourite work of Heaney's that I have read. Now, of course, why Sweeney is so inspiring to poets, particularly to Seamus Heaney, who is known among other things, but like first of all, certainly as a naturalist, as a as a nature poet. So the story of a, of a king who basically flies from treetop to treetop all around the island of Ireland and basically describes what he sees and describes all this landscape, there could not be something that could possibly appeal to the writer Seamus Heaney more. And so in Sweeney Astray in the novel, or in the the epic poem, I suppose as it, as it is, it is written in a mixture of prose and verse, and verse poetry, but basically he'll, so Sweeney will arrive at Glen Bolkin or Glen Arkin, and he will basically like recite a four-page poem, which are incredible and beautiful, but as the Phil Pullman mantra of this podcast is to Create a version as clear as water, and um, I distilled that into dialogue. I'm more, more comfortable. I'm not a poet um, at all. I would barely call myself a writer, but uh, I consider myself a storyteller. But I love writing dialogue, and dialogue certainly flows out of me, whether it's of any substance or not. And so I distilled it to more conversations. In little interior monologues that Sweeney has, and little bits of dialogues with, with characters like Lynch Khan and with um with Yoron his wife, but I wanted to. It, I could have very easily done this as one episode. I could have had all the detail in the first part, which was part one, which is the story of the battle with Ronan and of the battle of Moira. But I thought I'd do it in two parts, and I wanted to go into as much detail as I could with the length of this podcast. And I have pretty much done every single location that he goes to and each time he goes to... I've condensed them somewhat and compo- composite some of them, but pretty much that is the entire journey. I swear to God, I know people might be thinking, <laughs> if anything stood out, it's Sweeney's trip over to England where he meets the man of the woods who is genuinely called Alan. I know that Alan is like the least mythological name you could possibly think of. Apologies to any Alans out there. It's a great name, but you know, it's hardly... Lynchicon or Sweeney or Mungon it's just, it's it's Alan isn't it? And I just couldn't help, it just seemed like a character from Monty Python, or from like Eddie Izzard, It just it was this moment of absurdity which again is one of my favourite things about Irish mythology, no matter how tragic the story, there is always room for these bizarre, absurd moments where he has this beautiful friendship with this madman named Alan and just for full disclosure there's an interview with uh with John Cleese about Life of Brian and he was asked why they chose the name Brian in Life of Brian and he just said that uh Brian is just an objectively funny name like Kevin so so uh, and I it's hard to it's hard to disagree there's nearly always a character that's used as a one-off gag in things named Kevin the name Kevin is frequently used for comedic purposes, which I have resigned myself to. I have no problem with that. So, to any Alans out there, don't worry. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin is not an epic name either, even though it is an ancient Irish one. Um, I don't know is is Alan, I don't know where that's from. I can look that up right now. But he he obviously, Alan the Man of the Wood was a character I had to had to include because it was just it was such a lovely moment late in the game and the relationship with Yoran as well with the wife when they profess their love for each other and and how she has to eventually give up on him because he is a lost cause and he can't trust her and he will never be able to settle back then i mean like in terms of i have tried to knit a little bit more of of a plot through it, rather than just like location, location. I hope that does come across. In terms of, I've tried to, I've tried to figure out an internal logic to Sweeney's journey into his moments where he does come back to his senses and where he does lose it again, because you have these these totally unexplained maimed. Moments, like with this old hag coming in when he's regaining his senses, which she was either a follower of Ronan or um, or just was sent by him, was a conduit for him. It's hard to know, but what is important is she drives him back out of out of sanity and pursues him across and follows him across treetops. It's this incredible visual of her pursuing him and meeting her her gory and bloody end. But ultimately, what the story of Mad King Sweeney is, is, and certainly in part one, is this battle between the old gods and the new, and or, or, as in between the pagan gods of the two De Danann and between the one Christian god. And in Sweeney Astray, in Seamus Heaney's adaptation, as soon as Sweeney does go mad, he immediately converts to Christianity. And that is a huge undercurrent of it. Now, as I've said, I've... I'm not battling with but I've tried to because these stories predate Christianity a lot of them. Christianity is an unavoidable part of them but I don't think they should be an integral part of it when they can become quite moral in the end where like with the children of Lear it becomes this moral that they tr- convert from their paganism to, to Christianity in the end and they get baptised and they go to heaven and happily ever after and that, that's great but that's I'm less interested in that as a story and I'm more interested in this, almost this internal battle. I thought I thought it was really interesting, this idea that Sweeney believes in these other gods and then he is cursed by this priest. And so what is that battle for him? Like he realizes at the beginning, he's like, am I being cursed by my gods? Am I being cursed by this new god? I don't know and that that is a part of his journey in there, rather than just immediately, oh, obviously the other god is real. Because I thought it could be believable that the two of the could have cursed him as well, and was less interested. I'm like very interested in the battle between pagan gods and the new god. That is almost like, if anyone has read American Gods, that is obviously a huge part of that plot, is the old gods versus the new gods, although they're different different old gods and different new gods. I've said gods a lot in the last thirty seconds. But that is that is the internal conflict of that and that is that is what the story of Sweeney is and one other reason why it's endured so much and why why people write about him and why he is such a fascinating character and Bulasovna, as is the original text which is thought to date back as far as the seventh century but it's thought that it the most early like, text version we have of it dates back about as far as the 12th or 13th century, I think it was. And that's the version that, like, there's a version of that that, like, Flan O'Brien then translated and put into, put into a uh, Swim Two Birds, and then that Seamus Heaney adapted to turn into Sweeney Astray. And it is considered the masterpiece of the historical cycle. This was the final story of the historical cycle. And it was the first time me adapting like a kind of novel length story for one episode or for two episodes as it would end up being. And it was a huge challenge, but it was what it was building up because now that we're finished the King cycle, we're moving on to the Ulster cycle, which is the big epic It's the greatest cycle of Irish mythology, it's the most well-restored, it's the most famous stories, and I cannot wait to absolutely devour it over the final months of our first year of Fireside. But that is the tawn, that is written as a novel, so adapting Sweeney astray was my, like, warm-up to the challenge of why, like... As I've said before, the Ulster Cycle is the second cycle of Irish mythology. It's supposed to go mythological cycle, Ulster Cycle, Fenian Cycle, King Cycle, and I have gone mythological cycle, Fenian Cycle, King Cycle, Ulster Cycle, because it's the biggest challenge. It's the most well known. It's the most restored. There's the most sources for it. So I wanted to mate until I had, had a year of doing this podcast that I felt confident enough to adapt these epic stories that really take it. It has been such a joy to discover all of these new stories along the way and I've no doubt that stories like Sweeney and of Fionn McCool and the Wooing of Attain, they will still remain some of my favourites as we go in but The Ulster Cycle was always going to be the biggest challenge and now we're at it and having adapted Sweeney now and the ultimate challenge that it was to adapt it in a couple of weeks for these episodes has me incredibly excited to move on But we're going to wrap things up there. That is episode 44 and the final part of the King Cycle and the story of Mad King Sweeney on Fireside for the next couple of weeks we are in October so we are going to be moving on to some ghost stories some spooky tales uh, which we didn't get last year because we only started this podcast in November so we're in the most folklory time of the year and I wanted to dedicate a couple of weeks to some chilling ghost stories and I can't wait to tell you some of them over the next couple of weeks One final time thank you all so much for listening thank you to Alan and Patty and everyone here at Head Stuff thank you to Jamie my producer for continuing to edit this each and every week Please do buy tickets to the Fireside Sessions to come along for a live evening of tales, tunes, and a tipple. You can get tickets on ticketmaster.ie forward slash Fireside Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Fireside Bard, and we will see you all next time. You will hear me all next time round the Fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.